The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, John. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Have an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor-comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Uh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Another five-minute mystery. An anniversary party is going on at the Brown household around the corner. One of the guests, George Taylor, pauses while eating his dessert. Mmm, best lemon pie I've ever tasted, Mary. Oh, really? I wish my wife could do as well. Hey, it doesn't look as if Sam is appreciating it much, though. Goodness, dear, is my cooking that bad? Sam, your head is practically in your plate. I guess he's fallen asleep, everyone. I'm so sorry. (laughs) That's all right. Sam, Sam, sit up. Sam, it's dreadful. I'd better shake him. Sam, Sam! Great guns, he's dead. How do you do? I'm Sergeant Barker of the Homicide Division, and this is one of my boys, Mike Grady. Where's the body? In the dining room at the table. We didn't move him. Hmm. Might as well be comfortable, everybody. This will take just a little while. Hmm. Dead, all right. Peaceful, too. Wh- who's Mrs. Sam Brown? I am. You mind telling me what happened? I guess not. I'm so shocked. I don't know where to begin or what to tell you. Well, you might as well begin by telling me what you serve for dinner. Well, uh... We had soup first. Soup? What kind? Mushroom. And then roast chicken, green peas, mashed potatoes, and I served him coffee. But I don't see how this could mean anything. Just routine, Mrs. Brown. Did Mr. Brown eat everything? Yes. Yes, he did. He seemed to fall asleep over his coffee. Mm Mm-hmm. And when I tried to wake him, I found he's had a heart attack. Yeah, that'll be all for a few minutes, Mrs. Brown. We want to take a look around. Uh, notice anything about this table, Mike? No, Chief. Can't say as I do. Neither do I. Let's look in this kitchen. An orderly person, isn't she? Stacked dishes after each course. Yes, and here's the silverware over here. Ah, look. Look, Chief. One of these soup spoons has turned black. Black? Let me see it. The only spoon that's tarnished, too. Well, I was beginning to think it was a heart attack or the perfect murder. But this silver soup spoon is evidence enough. Uh, Mrs. Brown... Yes, Sergeant Barker. I'm sorry to interrupt your little party, Mrs. Brown, but I'm sure your guests won't mind. Uh, I don't understand. You will, Mrs. Brown, you will. You see, you're under arrest for the murder of your husband. Do you know why Sergeant Barker accused Mrs. Brown of murder? In a moment, we'll hear the solution. And now, back to our story. Sergeant Barker, how do you know it was homicide? Well, Mrs. Brown took careful pains to wash the soup pans and soup dishes before she served the rest of the meal. Yeah, I can see that. 
but she forgot one thing, to wash the silver soup spoons. What she didn't realize was that an hour later, by the end of dinner, the spoon her husband had used to eat his toadstool soup would give her away. She didn't know that toadstools make silver turn black. Mrs. Brown almost committed the perfect murder, but she forgot to wash one spoon. This five-minute mystery featured the voices of Sean Cantwell, Rhonda Groves Young, Randy Zimmerman, and yours truly, Tom Sumner. We hope you've enjoyed this mini-mystery. Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com From the Tom Sumner Show Oh Welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program. My guest this hour is the uh, author of a, uh, a new book called the, Pi- the Paper Tiger Syndrome. And I have to admit, the first time I saw the title, I, uh, I thought immediately of uh, Alec Karras, Alex Karras in the, uh, uh, and George Plimpton in uh, the, the Paper Lion. Uh, but being from Michigan, of course, I'm going to think about the lions. But um, the movie, or the uh, book, rather, is called The Paper Tiger Syndrome, How to Liberate Yourself from the Illusion of Fear. And it's uh, written by um, licensed marriage and family therapist Rebecca Ward, who joins me by phone. Good morning, Rebecca. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Tom. So happy to be here to talk to you. Um you know, there's is something in the title, and and I I want to pull that out right off the bat to get started. The the paper tiger syndrome, how to liberate yourself from the illusion of fear. Why do you call fear an illusion? Um, I I have my share of fears, and they seem pretty real to me. Yeah, yeah. Well, some fears are an illusion. So things can present themselves as an imminent threat that set off your nervous system into a fight, flight, or freeze response when, in fact, what's needed most is for for you to have all of your faculties online, for you not to go into a survival response. So the, the nervous system is designed to keep us all safe. It's the same mechanism that our ancestors had in primitive times, and it is the primary default for how our, our bodies and our brains function. So when we walk into a room, unconsciously that system is determining who's the threat, who's safe, who's, who's in the system that I'm looking at right now that will be a potential threat or, or potentially a, a safe place for me to go. So people who have, for example, social anxiety, that system will uh, falsely 
cause a stress response in a system where, in an environment where we're in a social setting. We've been isolated for the last two years, right, during the pandemic. And uh, that social system aspect of our nervous systems has atrophied. So when we go out into the world, we're seeing more violence, we're seeing more anxiety, we're seeing more stress, because that system hasn't had practice. We haven't been around people. So that's where I say fear can create this false idea that things in our environment are a threat when, in fact, they're not. And that's what a paper tiger is. It's the illusion of a fear that requires a stress response or a survival response. We don't need that. We only, only need those survival responses to kick in, that autonomic nervous system, to kick in when you're under imminent threat. Then it's going to take over. And those are, those, that's the time when we need them uh, to run the show for us. Unfortunately, that is not the, by and large, that is not how our systems are functioning, and it's causing a lot of problems. So we've got high stress in our environment, people responding, uh, you know, outsized to the particular situation, getting more angry, irritable, stressed. Two-thirds of all Americans have some underlying health condition that is, in part at least, caused by stress responses of a high degree of stress in our, in our bodies. We need to learn how to tame those paper tigers. And the book is, gives you the, sort of the education about how the nervous system functions, how it's the communication between the body and the brain, and how it can falsely trigger that stress response, and how to, how to regulate the nervous system so that that system is operating at, at optimal levels and it's not creating these stress responses. Rebecca, an example, actually. Rebecca yeah. what, do, what do people fear most, real and imagined? Well, you know, real threat, what we fear most is death, right? Sure. And, uh, right, so imagined that there's many, many phases and forms of fear. There's, uh, you know, we go into uh, shutting down, shame, uh, we don't speak up, we don't feel like we're good enough. The most common thing that people feel is, I'm not good enough. There's something wrong with me. That's this fear of not being enough in the world that runs just about everybody on the planet. None of us feel, most of us feel less than or unable to, or there's some kind of internal fear that we have about showing up in our, our fullest and wholest self. And um, that, has, that goes back to developmental trauma, how we are conditioned as children and how those fears can shape who we are as adults. And I talk about that in the book. You know, how, how, what was your environment like as a child? How did it shape you as an adult? How far away have you gotten from that self that you were intended to be in this lifetime? And how are those old survival strategies still running you? How can we look at those, get clear about them, and change it? Can you give an example of that, Rebecca, uh, of how something in, in someone's uh, upbringing would um, present later in life as uh, sure. something that, that is, is off-putting to them? Are, are we talking about... Um, 
you know, the, a, a budding artist that whose whose parents convinced them to become a dentist or something. Yeah, that can happen. But let me give you an example of one that um, a lot of a lot of folks are uh, aware of. Okay. So a lot of women, when when women grow up, for example, the 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 thing yeah. that we we get conditioned to to think to believe is that we are intended to stay small. We have this uh, it's sort of a survival strategy around shame and appease. Stay small. Stay out of the way. When people get big and scary or angry, we, this is um, generalizing here, but we tend to, to shut down. Our voices get, um, you know, we, we constrict our voice. We don't use our voices as much as we should. And that's because that system is trying to protect us. The nervous system says, okay, just stay small. Don't speak up. Don't rock the boat. Don't say anything. And that goes back to childhood. We learn some of those survival strategies in childhood. So, for example, if, like myself, I grew up in a home where my father was an alcoholic, and he would get big and scary, and when I was a little kid, my survival strategy was to stay small, stay quiet, don't trigger, don't poke the bear. And that helped me. It helped me get through a, a pretty volatile situation until that that. So old survival strategy was running me as an adult still. So I didn't speak up at work. I didn't uh, advocate for myself. I didn't set boundaries with people. I didn't ask for what I need. And I became very independent because I didn't, couldn't rely on my parents to take care of me, especially my dad. It was all about him and taking care of his addiction. So I didn't learn to rely on other people. I took care of myself. I didn't ask for anything. I didn't learn how to advocate for myself at work or in my personal life. So those old survival strategies were still running me. And I had to learn how to overcome that. I had to learn how to speak up, learn how to access healthy anger, set boundaries with people, trust my instincts, advocate for myself. Those are examples of healthy anger. You know, my dad's examples were unhealthy. So I didn't learn to develop a healthy relationship with anger. I did that. That's what helped me overcome the shame that I felt as a child. Well, let me so let me ask you let me ask you this: How much of the the book um, and and the things that you share in the book are um, the things that you learned um, from education, and how much of it is from your own experience, or perhaps the experience of uh, patients and clients you've had? Mm. Well, I have all of the formal training in trauma, developmental trauma, shock trauma. I spent over 10 years in specialized training on top of my license to learn how to work with trauma of all different kinds, shock, developmental, intergenerational trauma. So the, the experience of that was very helpful. And then I would say my clients who've been through all of these things are my greatest teachers. They have taught me a lot about practical, you know, what's it like to live in a body that's in a constant state of fear? And how do we overcome that? And, you know, I had the tools and the skills to do it, but it was the experience of working out, working through those fears with them that helped both me and my clients overcome their fears. More with therapist and author Rebecca Ward. Straight ahead. Everybody's doing a brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. Do you ever feel like you need an attitude adjustment? Are you wishing there was a magic pill or a new app for your mobile device? Why don't you try live local music? Music can make you dance, bring back fond memories, inspire you to be more creative, whether you attend a child's school concert or recital, go to a local symphony concert, visit local bars and restaurants that feature dance music, sing-along piano, or jazz and blues. Music could be just what you're looking for. Supporting live local music is more than a way to support your local artists and economy. It's a great way to improve your own quality of life. Support live local music. This message is brought to you from the Tom Objection. I object. I object to that, Your Honor. Oh, hi, Mom. What's up? Dana, what are you doing? Oh, you know, just um, Attorney General stuff. Listen, I have a legal question. What is it, Mom? I just got a call from the water company. Apparently, your father has not been paying the bill. I guess they're going to turn the water off because we owe more than $1,000 now. Can you believe it? Actually, I can't. So listen, we just have to send them $200 in edible arrangements gift cards and that will keep the water on. Now, here's the legal question. What is the website for edible arrangements? Mom, it's an imposter scam. Imposter scam. Is that .com or .edu? No, the call was a scam. Scammers will pretend to be a government agency or a utility company or someone else you might do business with. A big red flag is if they tell you that you can pay them using gift cards. So when in doubt, ask for the information to be sent to you in writing. And never give a caller or someone you don't know your personal information or your money. If you do suspect an imposter scam, Report it to my office at mi.gov slash agcomplaints. Okay, all right. And Dana, where do I file a complaint that my daughter hasn't visited in over a month? Does your office have a website for that? Okay, Mom, I'm hanging up now. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. 
Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show. More therapist and author Rebecca Ward, straight ahead. I'm trying to understand the word liberated. Is is that really just a a way of not feeling trapped anymore? Yes, that's right. That's exactly right. You know, that we we, uh, oftentimes, and people don't necessarily apply the word fear. They might apply the word stress or anxiety or overwhelm. But it's all underneath this bigger umbrella of fear. What are you afraid of? And this liberation happens by learning to develop certain self-regulation skills that you learn in the book to regulate your nervous system and make the distinction between what is a perceived threat, a paper tiger, and a real threat, a real tiger, so to speak. Um, And so let me give you an example of something. Have you ever watched one of those um, wild, you know, animal chases on TV where you got like a cheetah and it's running after a gazelle? Oh, yeah. And, okay, so here's a paper tiger. You're watching that happen. It probably happened 10 years ago, the footage. Yeah, so right. It happen right. today. And you're sitting there and you're watching it, and all of a sudden your heart rate goes up. And you, you're, I can't look at this. Your feet start to to uh, move, and you, you start to want to get away from watching this. I don't want to look at this. That's a paper tiger. Your system is actually responding to something that isn't happening to you. It's not happening in this moment. It's on a TV screen, and your system is responding to it as if it's happening to you. Oh, I'll give That's you a an, survival uh, reaction. I'll give right? you an example from my own personal experience. I'm afraid of heights. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, I'm becoming more afraid of heights as I get older. Uh-huh. And it yeah. has gotten to the point where if I'm watching television or a movie and they show aerial shots, which mm-hmm. they're very fond of doing now, looking down from <laughs> tall buildings, you know, as an mm-hmm. establishment. You know, we're in a busy city. There's lots of traffic down there and buildings and all that. Yeah. I get the butterflies. I can't watch yeah. a Spider-Man movie without getting right. butterflies. Exactly, <clears throat> and, Which is a real shame because I like Spider-Man. But, yeah. <laughs> um, but, but it seems to be getting worse all the time yes and i'm not yes. sure why that is i even tried to confront because, it a couple of times mm-hmm. i um uh, there was a, a a time when um a, a colleague of mine and i had an opportunity we kind of snuck up on the roof of a building we were working in it was 19 stories flat roof no guardrail and i literally <laughs> rebecca climbed on my belly over to the edge and look down the side. And I was absolutely terrified. Yes. But but I felt like I needed to at least try to confront it a little bit. I had a similar yeah. experience on uh, Pikes Peak in uh, in Colorado. Um mm-hmm. but yeah, I I I panic in a scenic elevator. Why yes. why would that continue to grow as I get older? 
because your body, despite your logic brain, is more vulnerable. You know, you don't have the same physical strength, the same stability in your system. As we age, we're more vulnerable. Oh, I've, I've, and so I've outgrown the belief that I'm invincible. Is that <laughs> <laughs> you? You have, but your logic brain oh, darn does it. know that you're okay. And but that system needs to be regulated. The system is more vulnerable. As we age, that's exactly what happens. Our bodies and that primitive part of our brain, the amygdala, is is just more sensitive. Where we feel more vulnerable, and so that can, that has big and small implications in life. Now there are a lot of phobias that people have. Mm-hmm. You know, fear of spiders and yes. snakes and. Yes. enclosed places and my fear of yes. heights and, and there are other things. Mm-hmm. How do we decide yes, which of those things really need attention and really need work? Oh, good question. Excellent question. They they need work if it's inhibiting your ability to function in life. That's when you need to, that's when you want to look at something. If it doesn't bother you that much, you don't need to address it. See, the heights thing you know, you, doesn't come up that much. Then you don't need to do anything for me, about it. and I've it's never just helpful for you to be aware of why. You know that, that you're just your system is more vulnerable as you age. But there's there are things that really do inhibit it, inhibit people's ability to function. Let me give an example. Yeah, please. The yeah the, the incident in Uvalde with the police officer that waited yeah. how long to go into the building? Okay. An hour. So that, an hour to go into that building, and he was waiting to get permission. That is an old survival strategy, an old survival strategy from childhood. I need someone to give me permission to go in. That's not what we need in that moment. You know, we, we don't need somebody to go in to freeze and stand there and wait for someone to say, okay, go ahead and go in. you got to go in. You have to have that, the, your access to fight. That fight survival strategy was is missing for that person, and yeah, they're in the wrong line of work for one. But it's also look at the impact, the detrimental impact that that decision that oh, freeze was a disaster. that he went into. Yeah, yeah, freeze. That's what he was. That's what was happening with him, and the impact, the implication on our society of you know this these nervous these reactions that the the system isn't operating at the way it's supposed to. We have to make clear distinctions between these real threats and the threats that are causing us to go into a state of, of freeze or shut down or questioning, doubting ourselves. All that stuff is not what we need in those moments. We need someone to go in with courage and and uh, and fight, right? So these are some examples. They're, they're big and small examples of how not making clear distinctions between real and perceived threats can have major implications on society. Now, you and, said something uh, earlier, Rebecca, that um, hadn't, I hadn't really thought of, but it makes so much sense. Um, the, the fact that because of the pandemic and the subsequent quarantines and lockdowns, um, yeah. there's still a lot of us that that really don't get out much anymore. Mm-hmm. And yeah. 
it had not occurred to me that that was a form of atrophy. When oh, we when we go out and and we interact with other people, mm-hmm. there's a, a, a sense of of fear and foreboding that we didn't have before we took that right. that long time yeah. out. That's right, and you know the we've had half of our faces covered in masks. This is your your face and your smile. And your eyes, that, that whole expression on your face is part of what we call your empathy neurons. When we look at somebody else and we make eye contact and we smile, those empathy neurons are firing back and forth. None of that's been happening. So the empathy is down in our society. We're less empathic and we're less compassionate. We're more aggressive. We're more anxious. We're more uh, irritable. So, and that's because of that, that social system, your whole face, your neck, that whole system that helps us engage with the world outside of ourselves has been out of practice. And so, <laughs> you know, I have, to, whether, I, I have yeah. to laugh because I was just thinking about, um, as you were talking about the masks, when bank lobbies yeah. first opened mm-hmm. up after being closed down for a while, mm-hmm. I went to the bank and I walked into the lobby, and it's full of people wearing masks. And I, I, I couldn't help snickering a little bit, thinking, what would that place have felt like if all those people had shown up in masks before the pandemic? Uh-huh. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a red flag. Would there would have been alarms going off. and Oh, I know. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's become very normalized. So what I would say to people is uh, get out. Side, go out into nature. Nature is neutral. Practice being in a place that is calming for your nervous system. Look around. To access your all of your senses right now. Go out into nature. Breathe in the fresh air. Make contact with trees. Use your touch, your smell, your listening to birds, your eyes. Engaging in nature is a very neutral way to reset that nervous system. So that begins to see that the world around us is safe. Do you have to face fear? Slowly introduce. Do you have to face fear to to overcome it? Yes. You have to, but you face fear in a titrated way. You don't blast your system with fear. That doesn't help. You slowly introduce yourself back in, which is why I'm saying start with nature. Then you go out into the world and you introduce small groups, one-on-one time, small (laughs) groups, slowly, that's titration, slowly introduce your nervous system back into social settings. Um, That's the best way to to overcome your fears is to titrate it, to slowly introduce yourself back in. So if I were going to try to address mm -hmm. my my fear of heights, it would be smarter to, to climb a small tree before... Yes. Say parachuting. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, sit on a sturdy branch, right? And, you know, make contact with the branch, look around, look down, wait for your system to settle first. Notice that you're safe. You know, settle means your heart rate slow down. Your not heart rate's not beating, you know, rapidly. And your breath is nice and deep, you know, long deep breathing and 
That's how you work with the system. I am safe here on the branch of this tree. Is it kind of a, a meditation process to um, to calm your nerves after um, feeling the anxiety of a fear, real or imagined? Yeah, I mean, uh, after an event like that, yes. You want to regulate the nervous system through getting out of your mind and getting into your body. And the breath is the best way to do that. So if you breathe... Long, deep breathing in through your nose, out through your mouth. And you bring your attention down into your body and you practice that. What happens is your brain quiets. The brain will quiet and you'll be paying attention to that sensation of your breath in your body. That's what we call interoception. So it's a specific kind of meditation or breath work practice is having your attention, your mind, there's a part of your brain called the medial prefrontal cortex. That's the observing part of your brain. And when that part is connected to your body, your attention is down in that sensation of your breath, noticing your sit bones on the chair, your feet on the ground. This is the way that we lower anxiety, is to quiet the mind and bring your attention into your body. And that's what teaches the nervous system that you're safe. Most people in the world are safe, and yet we're getting constant messages from the news and, uh, you know, our environment around us. Our systems are out of whack. We think that everything is a threat. People are a threat. Everybody's under threat. We're all at war, all this stuff. And if you slow down and pay attention, in this moment, almost everybody on the planet is safe. Right now, everybody, almost everybody on the planet is safe. There are pockets of war and uh, and violence in the world. I, I'm not trying to diminish that. No, no, and I understand is, completely because I have, for many, many years, been kind of a news junkie. I, I was one of those yeah. people who had cable news on around the clock. It was It was literally mm-hmm. the the soundtrack of whatever room I was in. And and I used to say I was preparing myself, you know, for interviews that I would do with people and political roundtables and so on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then it got to be so depressing that I had to go on Mm -hmm. a news diet. And I I just cut news completely out of my life, except I spend weekends doing a deep dive on a number of different news sources to bring myself up to speed you know for Uh professional reasons but but that that everyday thing i i just i couldn't take it anymore had to stop well you know there's a lot of um, data out there you can research it to but i will say this to you the media is like anybody else they're human beings and they're trying to make money and they're baiting you in and the easiest way to bait people in is to access their fear access their primitive fears. So they use all kinds of ways to do that, that the reds and the blues, you know, when you look at these, um, the uh, studio settings for all of these uh, channels, regardless of your political uh, persuasion, whichever place you land on the spectrum of politics, all of those TV stations, all of those um, sets that they have are all, designed to keep you in a heightened state of fear. <laughs> I Red know. And blue, flash, 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 talk fast, 
you know, let's talk about all the things that are going wrong. Let's let's uh, bait, uh, pit each other against each other. All of that is is they don't want us to come together. They want us to stay apart you and know, to stay in fear. I I get really exasperated at the phrase "breaking news." Uh, yes. Especially right. flash, flash, flash. Especially when I'm watching the story for the third day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's just not exactly. breaking right. news yeah, no. to me anymore. No. And then and they're it's just repeat, repeat, repeat. And um it it's I always watch my nervous system when I'm um watching the news <laughs> and how my system is responding. Yeah. And if I start to feel my heart rate go up, I turn it off. The best place to go is to read. Agree. TV is, is I agree. Super, super hypnotic and um, very, uh, very fear-based. So the the best place to go is go to some neutral, uh, as best you can, news organization that just delivers the news in a reading format. It's the best way to take in information these days. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, I agree, mm-hmm. and that's pretty much what I do. The the television yeah. stuff is, and and another thing too. I'll just interject this because it's kind of a peeve of mine, is that um, in their in their efforts to make everything breaking news and to try and uh, be the first with the story, they usually don't know what the story is yet. Yeah, and you're yeah. getting a lot of bad information in that mm-hmm. electronic. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, hypnosis that you described yeah and and yeah. so uh, you know that's that's another reason to go read something they've taken a little bit mm-hmm. more time put a little more information together yeah and and you're yeah. probably going to get better information too yes um yes. for sure in the um in your book, Rebecca, The Paper Tiger Syndrome, How to Liberate Yourself from the Illusion of Fear, um, you offer a number of insights like the one that that I found uh, absolutely illuminating about, um, about our social skills being atrophied from mm-hmm. quarantine. Mm-hmm. Um, but you provide those kinds of insights, but also some some daily practices. Are there are there routines? Are there things that we can do to um, tame our anxiety through? I don't know daily affirmations or something. Oh yeah, there's a, and I and there are so many things that I can uh, that are in the book that I can uh, speak to. But given our limited amount of time. I'll, I'll just share a few. Um, the, it, you know, if you're prone to anxiety, the most important thing is to have a, some kind of mindfulness practice. That I, I give you lots of options in the books, book as to which ones work best for anxiety. But anxiety is high, a high state of what we call sympathetic charge. If you're out of this lovely window of resilience where the system is regulated, nervous system, and you've got good high sympathetic, I'm sorry, you have sympathetic charge in your parasympathetic. Those are balanced. When you have a lot of anxiety, you have too much sympathetic charge. You're out of that window of resilience. And what you need to do is access more of your parasympathetic. That's the rest and digest part of your nervous system. And you do that through practices that help you slow down. 
That's uh, probably the most common issue that we have in society. It's too much sympathetic charge. And what we need is more the slowdown, the parasympathetic. So mindfulness practices, slowing down, walking in nature, things that you find calming. Take a hot bath, drink some coffee or tea. Actually, excuse me, drink some tea, not coffee. It's got caffeine in it. Music that is calming for you. Uh, and some of the practices in the book, most of the practices in the book have to do with lowering sympathetic charge, creating more calm in the in the body. So um, taking baths, that's also really helpful. Anything that helps you relax is very important. And also having a good support system is really important. We need each other. Yeah. Human beings are pack animals. We're not designed to be isolated like this. So find ways to connect with people. Get out, you know, join a group, a hiking group, or some kind of exercise group. Exercise is very important. For people who are prone to depression, which is too much parasympathetic, you need to exercise. Get more sympathetic, the opposite, in your system. So exercise is a very, very important part. Get your heart rate up. Get outside. Be around people. Don't isolate. Uh, for people that are prone to, to depression, those are some of the just basic fundamental things that, that you can do to, to combat that. Well, Rebecca, I can't believe how fast our time has gone. It's been a real delight talking with you, and I appreciate you sharing your expertise with me and the listeners this morning. The book is The Paper Tiger Syndrome, How to Liberate Yourself from the Illusion of Fear by Rebecca A. Ward. And, Rebecca, I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and your work, past, present, and future. Do you have a website you'd like to share? I do, I do. So in addition to the book, The Paper Tiger Syndrome, I recommend people go to my website. It's iris, like the flower, I-R-I-S, as in Sam, institute.com. There's all kinds of resources on there in addition to my book, and I will be coming, uh, offering workshops in the, in the fall and spring so that if people want to come in person, they can sign up uh, on my website to get more information about upcoming events. Well, Rebecca, thanks so much, and uh, keep up the good work. Thank you, Tom. It's a pleasure speaking with you today. Take care. Take care. That was, again, uh, Rebecca Ward. She is an American therapist, activist, healer, author, speaker, and coach. The uh, most recent book, I believe, is The uh, Paper Tiger Syndrome, How to Liberate Yourself from the Illusion of Fear. And with that, we'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. Old-fashioned radio For a new generation TomSumnerProgram.com 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 Oh, yeah. Hello there, citizens. 
Darkwing Duck here, and every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Imagine a journey down a picturesque riverway. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. Cloth or disposable? Paint or wallpaper? Yellow or green? Babies come with lots of decisions. Crib or bassinet? Rocker or glider? So when it comes to protection against diseases, go with the safest, most effective choice. Vaccination. To protect your child against 14 serious childhood diseases like measles, meningitis, and whooping cough. That's why nearly all parents choose it. Stroller or carriage, basketball, or soccer. So get all the recommended vaccinations for your baby by age two. For more reasons to vaccinate, talk to your child's doctor. Go to cdc.gov vaccines or call 800-CDC-INFO. Justin or Justine. Immunizations help give you the power to protect your baby. A message from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Why are we stopping? We're going to be late for the show. Mom, Dad, we got to get gas. You're not here, you're not. This place is charging an arm and a leg. Look, these days price swings of 30 or 40 cents per gallon aren't unusual. But when a gas station charges a price way above the price at similar stations, that could be gas gouging. Michigan gas stations sell the correct quality and quantity of gas most of the time. But when a station does try to illegally take advantage of drivers, my office is here to stop them. Stop Attorney Generaling! We got a concert to get to! I hope she doesn't sit next to us. Narc. This is Attorney General Dana Nessel. 
If you have information about potential gas gouging, call my office or go online at michigan.gov slash AG. Put those away. We're at a gas station. This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Ladies and gentlemen, in Philip Rapp's creation, the Bickersons. This day will go down in history as precedent-shattering. John Bickerson is smiling. Despite the lateness of the hour, the fact that he has had perhaps the hardest day of his life at the office, John Bickerson is smiling. Why? Tell us, John. Two weeks vacation with pay. Wait till I tell Blanche, brother, how I've longed for this. I'll sew myself into the bedsheets and sleep for ten days. John? Hello, Blanche. How is my beautiful wife? What? Would you like me to bring you a glass of milk and a cookie? And here's a little present for you. You look wonderful, honey. Oh, this is awful. What's the matter? This morning I burned my hand on the stove. I ripped my only pair of nylons. My inlay fell out, and now you come home drunk. What are you talking about? I'm not drunk and you know it. Then why are you so nice to me? What's the use? When I come home tired, can't smile, she beefs. When I come home and try to be pleasant, she accuses me. Put out the lights. You're not going to bed with your shoes on. Yes, I am. I work like a horse. I might as well sleep like a horse. Why did you bring me a present? What have you been up to, John? Bring his wife a present. Oh, stop it. A husband doesn't bring his wife a present unless he's done something wrong. I've brought you a million presents and I've never done anything wrong. Never. Not since the day I married you. I wish you'd let me sleep. Sure. Sleep. That's the easiest way out when you've got a guilty conscience. Blanche, I tell you, I haven't got a guilty conscience. Then why did you buy me an expensive present? It isn't an expensive present. It's the crummiest present I could find. I could believe that, all right. What is it? Why don't you open it and see? I bet you've gone and thrown away your money on some stupid thing I can't even use. Oh, you can use it fine. A home beauty outfit. It's got everything, just what you need. Wrinkle cream, freckle remover, hair darkener, false eyelashes, chin reducing strap. What kind of a present do you call this? What are you hinting at? How did I know what was in it? Nobody would use this but a homely woman. Oh, that's not true. All women use it. They do not. Only the homely ones and I wouldn't touch it. The sales girl in the drugstore said she uses it all the time, and she's not half as homely as you are. What? I mean, you're just as pretty. And that's just about what happened. You walked into a drugstore, saw a pretty face, and didn't know what you were buying. I didn't look at her face at all. If you were going to buy me a present, why didn't you buy me something I could use? Why didn't you get me an ounce of taboo? What's that? My favorite perfume. Well, you've got a dresser full of perfume. Taboo, Sabu, Snafu, Sterno. Enough perfume for any woman alive. Look at those bottles. They're all empty. And it's all your fault. You left the corks out and it evaporated. I leave the cork out of my bourbon, don't I? Well, what about it? That never evaporates. You never give it a chance. I don't see why I should have to do without because of your nasty habits. What do you think makes a thing dry up, John? Wish I knew. Don't be so funny. Oh, I'm not funny. I'm sleepy. 
You know I worked at the office 18 hours without a let-up. That's what you said you did. That's what I did. I did it for what I thought was a good reason, but now I'm sorry. Why? Forget it. What is it, John? What happened? (gasps) You lost your job. I didn't lose my job. I got two weeks vacation with pay. It's the first vacation I've had in seven years, and I wanted to enjoy it. But no, you wouldn't stand for that, would you? How can you say that, John? Of course I want you to enjoy yourself. Where's the money? In my wallet. Two whole weeks pay. Now, do you mind if I rest? You know, John, I haven't had a vacation either. A change of scene will do us both a world of good. If you're so tired, there's only one thing in the world for you to do. He's doing it. Where did he say that money was? Oh, here it is. Two weeks' pay. Blanche, put that money back. Oh, I I thought you were sleeping, dear. What were you doing with that money? What's the matter, Blanche? I'm not doing anything. I'm just counting it to see if they gave you the right amount. It's the right amount. Put it back and go to sleep. You needn't talk like that. I wasn't going to steal it. Who said you were? Just like you to make a crack like that. I didn't make any cracks at all. Go on. Call the police. Have me arrested. Put me in prison. Nobody's putting you in prison. They'll lock me up in solitary confinement. Rats running all over me in my cell. And I stand helpless, shaking, behind iron bars. No way to escape. Blanche. Oh, why don't you send me a hacksaw, John? You're getting hysterical. Well, don't go accusing me of taking your money. It's half mine anyway. It's all yours. All I want is sleep. I don't see why we can't go away on a vacation for a few days. You go. I told you I'm going to do nothing but sleep for the whole two weeks. You'll have to get up sometime. Not even once. How are you going to collect your unemployment insurance? What unemployment insurance? You're going to be out of work for two weeks. You can't collect unemployment insurance if you've got a job. If you're not working, you haven't got a job, have you? That's different. Why? I don't know why. Nobody does it, that's all. Well, what's the good of unemployment insurance if you don't get any money when you're unemployed? Being on vacation is not the same as being unemployed. Don't tell me. What? Clara's husband, Barney, has never had a job his whole life, and he collects his unemployment check every week. He can't collect any checks if he doesn't work. I thought you said they only pay you when you don't work. That's right. But you have to work before you can be out of work so you have a legitimate claim for the money you earned that you don't get. I don't get it. Oh, leave me alone. And I'm telling you now, John, you've got two weeks off and you're going to do one of two things. Do you hear me? I hear you. Either you start collecting your unemployment insurance or else you fill in those two weeks with another job. Another job? This is my vacation. I don't care. It won't hurt you to work those two weeks. And we could use the money. Okay, I'll get another job in the morning. You say it, but you won't do it. Do it now. What? Go on. Get up. Get a job, you loafer. What kind of a job can I get at 2 o'clock in the morning? What's the matter with being a night watchman? I won't do it. I won't do it. You've got no right to deprive me of my two weeks off. I don't care what happens. I won't get another job. All right, then. Promise you'll take me away on a vacation. There's no way out. I promise. Will you swear? Every minute that we're away. I know where we'll go. Lake Tahoe. 
I'll only have to buy a few more dresses and you can wear your dungarees all the time. Okay. Just tell them you came in from fishing. And if it gets cold, I've got just the thing. Let me show you what I picked up on sale yesterday. I don't want to see it. Just look at this, John. Isn't it stunning? What's so stunning about a bath rug? It's a fur cape, silly. Well, where's the fur? Well, that's the way it's supposed to look. It's the very latest style. Sheared beaver. Sheared beaver? It's been clipped. So have I. You have not. This is worth every penny, John. You know I'm a good judge of furs. Oh, sure. The past two years you bought a bald mink and a plucked skunk. Well, what's wrong with them? The mink stinks and the skunk shrunk. Blanche, how much did you pay for this one? Only $94. $94? Oh, Blanche, you didn't. Get that money back, you hear me? Get that money back. Don't get hysterical. As soon as the... Blanche, how could you do this to me? I deny myself everything. I've been sewing heels on your old pocketbooks and wearing them for shoes. I've been eating the padding out of my overcoat shoulders to save on breakfast cereal. I don't even drink my bourbon anymore. I just chew the cork and hit myself on the head with the bottle. I never spend a nickel on myself. You bought a bag of popcorn yesterday. That wasn't popcorn. My teeth fell out from malnutrition. I'm warning you, Blanche. Blanche, you're not going to get away with it. What do you want? Hello, Bickerson. This is Mr. Guernsey. Yes. Uh, oh, hello, Mr. Guernsey. I hate to be calling you at this hour, Bickerson, but something very urgent has come up. What happened? I just received word that our Chicago plant burned down, and we weren't covered. This morning, I filed bankruptcy proceedings, and I'm closing up for good. What? I trust you'll find a new position, and I do wish you good luck. Well, uh, thanks. By the way, Bickerson, would you mind sending back that two-week salary I gave you? I need every penny I can scrape together. Yeah, um, sure, I'll send it. Uh, goodbye. Well, did you hear that, Blanche? No, what was it? My boss, Mr. Guernsey, I lost my job. <gasps> wonderful! Wonderful? What's so wonderful about it? Now you can collect your unemployment insurance. Oh, Blanche. Good night, John. comes along that's spreading like a plague and POTUS and his lackeys have been nothing if not vague. Well then you've got to trust the CDC and listen well unless you want to bid our free society farewell. There is a Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. And if we don't act quick and social distance, it will mire us in a stretch of quarantine that lasts until July. A super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. And if you got a better cough in your arm, and if you got a better... <coughs> now, back in 1918, influenza had its run. But half the docks were busy overseas with World War I. Today we have mass media and scientists to say, if you don't want this virus, well then stay six feet away. Super damn important that we practice isolation, because we are asymptomatic while it's an incubation. We'll overwhelm our hospitals if there's not mitigation. It's super damn important that we practice isolation. 
If we don't do it, then we're all gonna die. If we don't do it, then we're all gonna die. And so I hope at last you'll take this lesson here to heart. Cause it's already scary and we're only at the start. If you get bored, just think of the immunocompromised. Who can't go much of anywhere unless it's sterilized. Oh, super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. If we don't act quick and social distance, it will mire us. In a stretch of quarantine, the lesson to rely on super bad, transmittable. Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. Hi, I'm Alexander Zanjic. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner. Tom Sumner.